God tells us that he loves us and we demonstrate our love for him in many ways and our obedience and, you know, even in our giving. We, I wanted to let you know that giving in this church right now is up $16,000 per week. And we're, we're at the give, current giving level, $154,000 a week, which is the highest it's been in a dozen years. So we're seeing a lot of that. And many of you have started to give uh, by installments, you know, with bank drafts and with people increasing drafts and people giving by drafts, that's up about $400,000. So it puts us in a good place. And it's a testimony of faith because we understand that we trust God for our support. Because if we look at the culture, it's not looking real stable even in many ways, but even financially. So thank you. Thank you for your faith. Thank you for your generosity. Today we continue our series, Hearing God. And today's individual message will explore the ways that God speaks. Look at this verse from Job. Job speaks in different ways. And we don't always recognize his voice. Is that true of you? Sometimes we don't recognize his voice. God communicates in diverse ways to different people according to distinct circumstances. And he uses delivery methods that are appropriate for the situation and for the person receiving the message. So we can't focus on only one method of hearing from God, for he uses many. God communicates in a manner that will capture the attention of the individual hearer. I don't know that Moses had ever heard from God before until he's out in the desert and a, a bush catches fire. And then a voice starts speaking to him from the bush. I don't think that was avoidable, was it? And so God knows each of us. He knows what it will take to capture our attention so that we can hear clearly from him. And so I'll just touch, survey in the scripture, a number of ways that God speaks and ways that we can hear him. The first is an audible voice. Sometimes God speaks directly and audibly to individual people, but also to crowds. God the Father spoke audibly three times during Jesus' ministry. Can you name them? Baptism was the first, yes. Second? Somebody's mumbling over there. You're talking like... When? Yes, transfiguration. Thanks for the boldness. And in both of those times, God said the same thing. He said this. Well, he didn't say that. He, he, <laughs> that's what resulted. He said, this is my beloved son or dearly loved son in whom I am well pleased, or some translations say, who brings me great joy. The difference was at the transfiguration, it was heard like this by the disciples. They were terrified and fell face down on the ground. But we, we don't see any of that type of response at the baptism. Following Jesus' triumphal entry 
into Jerusalem the, the week he would be arrested and crucified, John reported in John 12 a voice from heaven that spoke in response to Jesus. Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. It was a prayer, but it was an audible prayer. And God said, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. But here's what the crowd heard, John chapter 12. When the crowd heard the voice, some thought it was thunder, while others declared an angel had spoken to Jesus. Then Jesus told them, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Why? Why? Jesus knew what the Father thought, and he knew that the Father had glorified his name and would glorify his name. So he asked the question aloud so that people could hear the Father's answer. They didn't know yet, but Jesus would glorify the Father through his crucifixion and his resurrection. But many of them didn't hear. They didn't understand. Because you cannot hear and you won't understand if you don't have a relationship with God through Christ. The first thing that you will hear is the call of your name that we talked about last week. Jesus also spoke to Saul on the Damascus Road. And he blinded him, but he opened his eyes spiritually. I wonder how many of us have had God take something away so that we were in a posture to receive something, particularly spiritual insight. Now, the men, the, most believe there were two men walking with Paul on the road to Damascus. It may have, in fact, been a couple. But they heard Jesus' voice, but they didn't see him. God the Father and Jesus, you see, both have spoken audibly at times we see in the Scripture. And they can control who hears clearly and who doesn't, as well as what effect their voice will have on the hearers. You see, God's words and Christ's words can, com can inform and comfort, can confront, and can caution depending on what the hearer needs. As you know, I've collected from the church body many people who have heard God speak. And so throughout these, these messages today, and then there's three more, I will use some of these to illustrate the, the principle. A man wrote, when I was in college in the 80s, I never used to buckle up when driving. It was a different time. And there were no laws about it back then. Y'all remember those days? It was just, uh-oh, grab the kids. One day when driving home in some bad weather, I felt that I heard God or an angel speak to me and tell me to buckle up. My roommate who was riding with me knew something was different because neither of us normally buckled up. And he asked me. I just told him that I felt compelled to do it. He buckled up as well. We pulled onto the interstate, and probably five minutes later, we got severely rear-ended by a semi-truck. 
The highway patrol officers said if we had not been buckled up, we almost certainly would have been killed in the accident. Has God ever spoken directly to you, given direction, given comfort, offering protection? Another way God speaks is by sending an emissary through the appearance of angels. Now, angel in the Greek, agalos, means a messenger who conveys God's communication. And so angels appeared numerous times throughout the Old Testament, but also in the New. In the Old Testament, they were delivering messages primarily to prophets from God. And Gabriel spoke to Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. And then an unidentified angel spoke with Zechariah in Zechariah chapter 1. In the New Testament, we see the same angel Gabriel appear to another man named Zechariah. This one's not a prophet. He's actually a Jewish priest. And here's what he said. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. What was the good news? Say it louder. I can't hear you like this. What was the good news? Well, not the Savior yet. Somebody yell it if you know it. Elizabeth was pregnant with whom? John the Baptist. Yes, thank you. Now, John the Baptist would announce the coming Savior, and there was some reference, you know, that may imply the Savior was coming, but that's what this good news was about. This old man, an old woman, would have a child, and he would be the forerunner of the Messiah. An angel also guided Philip, not Philip the apostle, but Philip the deacon at Acts chapter 8. And he said this, he told him where to go. Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And on that road, he encountered someone. Who was it? You got to say it louder. The Ethiopian, yes. He was an Ethiopian official. And as he walked and he saw this carriage with this Ethiopian official, then it wasn't another angel. It was the Holy Spirit who told him, walk up to the chariot. And when he reached the chariot, he saw that this official was reading from the book of Isaiah. And Philip said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I unless someone explains it? And so Philip explained the gospel, and this man was saved. Have you ever received a message from God through an angel? You know, I've had many different people tell me through the years that they saw angels in this room, particularly even on this stage during messages. Angels are real. We think that Graham, our grandson, sees angels. Graham's had a tough life. He's had some painful experiences. But when Graham is being connected for dialysis, he will, he'll sometimes look in the room and he'll point. 
And when his parents would ask him if he was seeing an angel, he would nod. I think he was seeing an angel because I think there's been an angel that comforts him in difficult times. In fact, a lady this morning said she was praying for Graham and she was told by the Spirit that he was comforted by an angel. Another way to hear God speak is to apply the Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3 is probably the definitive passage on the Scripture. You can turn there, but it'll be behind me as well. But 2 Timothy chapter 3 and beginning at verse 16. All Scripture is inspired by God. Now, the Greek word behind inspired by God is theonoustos. Theo means what? God. Neustos means either spirit or breath. So inspiration means God breathed and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Now, when you consider the Bible, how can it be relevant? You know, it was written long ago. The oldest part of the Bible was written about 1,600 years ago. The Bible has 40 different authors, was written over three continents. They were men from many different professions, You had priests and fishermen and farmers and tax collectors and all kinds of different men. So how can a book like that still be valuable, still be reliable, still be relevant? Because human nature has not changed. We may not wear robes and sandals. Well, some of y'all might wear robes and sandals, but, but human nature has not changed at all. And neither has the truth of God or the nature of faith. So the Bible remains relevant and reliable. It's not outdated because the author is God. Now, how did we get it then? All the books don't seem exactly the same. No, the personalities of the men who wrote the different books show through. But the Holy Spirit spoke through these men. And so even though their personalities show, the Spirit preserved the message. The theological word is superintended the message. And you can read that in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. So the Bible is true. And the Bible is reliable. But the Bible provides general guidance for life and faith. And we can count on that. But the Bible also speaks individually and personally to each of us. Look at John 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word which is truth. So so we can obey the Bible, yes. But sometimes we need a personal message. Is that true? And so in those instances, at times, 
as we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit will illuminate a verse or a passage and will apply it specifically to our individual situation or problem in a very specific way. Has that ever happened to you? Let me see a hand if that's happened to you. Now, you have to be spending some time in the Bible for it to happen, don't you? But <laughs> you, you better believe it. <laughs> it's as though the words jump off the page. Now, yes, reading and studying the Bible is always profitable because it is true. And as First, First Timothy, Second Timothy said, it, it points out what's right and what's wrong. And it's reliable in that way. But sometimes you need something applied, especially to your particular, personal, unique situation. And that's when the Holy Spirit will illuminate the Scripture. And it's as though it jumps off the page and grasps you. And it happens. It happens as you read. It happens, but when the Spirit reminds you of what's in the Scripture. But in all of it, as you read the Scripture, the key to understanding it is your relationship with God. If you aren't born again, if you lack the Spirit, these truths are spiritually discerned. So you may wonder, well, I can't understand any of this. It's like a foreign language. But if you know the Lord, you've been born again, you have the Spirit when you read the word, listen for God's voice. Look for his presence. And I believe you will see and hear him. We also hear God speak as we allow the spirit. You see these overlap. Allow the spirit's leadership in our lives. Galatians 5.16 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Now, does that imply that you have a role? There's some cooperation that's called for because you can quench the Spirit. As the Spirit tries to lead you, you can refuse. And if you let the Spirit guide your lives, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves because you will listen and you will respond to the Spirit's direction. You see, the Spirit who is within every believer is the primary means of hearing God's voice. And God addresses our individual personal circumstances and needs through the Holy Spirit. So God speaks from within us. It's the Spirit that makes the communication continually open constantly available and the spirit resides within that's why I think why God's voice is rarely audible out in the room it's audible within our minds and heads but not where others would hear sometimes and I've shown you that but we experience the spirit and we hear his voice as as thoughts as ideas, as impressions that we hear. And often it sounds like our own voices. I mean, when God speaks to me, he sounds Southern. <laughs> but he may speak differently to you. 
I know Jerry Fry said that God had a very authoritative, booming voice, but Jerry grew up under a master sergeant and was coached by, you know, had many, many different coaches. And so it fit his ability to hear. But for me, I heard God differently. I heard him gently, and I heard him with a southern accent. But when God speaks, you'll recognize it because the attitude of the speech and the opinions expressed will be different from your own. And there'll be issues introduced that were not the issues you were already thinking about. In a future message, we'll look more at some ways to discern when God is speaking. But you see, because we hear it inside our own heads, it causes many Christians to become skeptical about what they're hearing because it is subjective. The Spirit reveals God's nature, His will. The Spirit works constantly in us, speaking to us, whispering what God wants. And the Spirit also explains the meaning of God's Word, whether it's read in the Bible or heard in a message. John 16, 13 says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. In other words, you can't get there apart from the spirit. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. And he will tell you about the future. So if you don't read the scripture much, I urge you to start. Give God an opportunity to speak to you. But as you approach the Scripture, do so with prayer. You know, quiet your heart. Ask the Spirit to reveal the meaning and the personal application to you. Another way we hear from God is to accept people's advice. Psalms 37 The godly, it shouldn't say that. Shouldn't it say the rich and influential? The wealthy and powerful? You think it's a mistake? Then why do we seek most of our advice from the wealthy and powerful? When we should be seeking the godly who offer good counsel because they teach right from wrong. All of us have blind spots. We have incomplete information, and we have biases that we don't see. So we need others to point them out. So we seek counsel from people whose faith, whose character, whose wisdom, and whose lifestyle we admire. Folks, we have to step away from this cultural motivation of trying to get our advice from the rich and the famous. We might be overlooking that godly, humble person that would really be the one that could help us. God speaks through through people. And I don't mean by that just pastors or Bible study leaders or teachers. Every born-again person possesses the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit within can inspire you to speak God's truth to an audience or to an individual. 
about a specific thing. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 and 8. You know, as I'm preaching, I, I do study and I do manuscript. But the Spirit will often change an application, alter an illustration, add a verse. I don't really know why. But it's probably that someone in the audience needs to hear that. Very often the things that have been added are the things that people comment that God spoke to them directly about. But it's not because I knew something. But God knows we can hear God speak through other people, not just pastors. And so God may give you a special insight into another person's situation. And if he does, you're supposed to communicate it. Sometimes we don't. And we say, well, I don't know how they'll receive it. Well, that's why you ask permission to share it. And if you say, may I tell you something that God gave me for you? If they say yes, then you tell them. And then allow that the Spirit will confirm to that person whether your message really was for him or her. But you can't get your ego in it. You see what I'm saying? It's not about control. It's about you humbly saying, God gave me a message that I think is for you. May I tell you? And then you let them decide what their response will be. But see, this is the way a church is supposed to work. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of, spirit of special knowledge. But it's not for that person. It's for the body or someone in the body. We can hear God through each other. In fact... You know, some people just decide, I don't need to go to church to hear God. No, but if you want to hear God well on many different subjects, you need to be in a church and you do need to humbly allow people to speak into your life because God does speak to us through other people. Are you willing? Are you willing to even seek but listen to God's word through other people. It requires some humility. Some of us get all puffed up when someone approaches us, don't we? We might miss a message that God intends for us. To hear God also, we need to anticipate dreams and visions. This is a little more debatable for some of you or maybe sound unusual, but look at Acts 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And Perry and Roland and some others will dream dreams. <laughs> and any of you others that qualify as the old men. But do you think we're in the last days? Come on, do you? Okay, then if you think we're in the last days then what that means in the last days are every, all the time after the Spirit was poured out, which happened when? Pentecost. 
So the last days began at Pentecost when the Spirit is poured out to every one of us. And so we should be able to expect just what that passage tells us. Visions and dreams should be given. Well, what are the, what's the difference between dreams and visions? Yes, thank you, Roland. Yes, dreams occur when you're asleep. Visions occur when you're awake. But both of them are direct messages from God that are often conveyed through words or images or both. You see, again, a Bible is true, but it won't always provide guidance in particular situations when specific direction is needed. Another note from a lady in the church. It was shortly after taking the transformation prayer class at Brookwood, roughly 214. Sounds strange, but I had never known that it was actually a real thing to communicate with God. I asked him if we would adopt again. He said, yes. That seemed highly unlikely based on current situation. The odds were really, really stacked against us even beginning the process and continued to mount throughout the process. On top of me hearing from God, my kids, who had also begun praying and listening to God independently, came to me with specific insight or revelations from God about an adoption. They received through dreams and other sources. And then also, my husband heard. It was really amazing. We adopted a little girl, the little girl that my older daughter described from her dream. And it was against all odds because the country that our adopted daughter came from had closed its doors to foreign adoption midway through our process. Dreams instructed many in the Scripture. We know that they instructed Joseph to marry Mary. Did y'all understand the difference in those two words? I don't articulate very well sometimes. To marry, to wed, I should have said that. Instructed Joseph to wed Mary. Said, don't be afraid. She's not immoral. Marry this woman. Then dreams warned him three times to move his family to protect Jesus. Sometimes God sends dreams because God has to overcome our hesitation or our resistance if he wants to communicate his message. And so dreams can give insights into situations where we have failed or often we've refused to recognize the situation when awake. You see, dreams bypass our blind spots. They overcome our reluctance. They remove our fear. They set aside our defensiveness. It's hard to be defensive when we're asleep. And if God wants to reveal something to you, he might do it in a dream because you battle it furiously when awake. Job 33, again, look at this. 
He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. He whispers in their ears and terrifies them with warnings. He makes them turn from doing wrong. He keeps them from pride. He protects them from the grave, from crossing over the river of death. Have you had a dream like that that pierced through your stubbornness, your resistance, your hesitance when you were were awake? Visions also are instruction from God. They're delivered in an unavoidable way, which may be just because of your busyness, but it could be because of a prejudice. It might be pride. And so you would reject this message if it came to you in an ordinary way. And if you heard it, you'd refuse to obey it in any event. There's one familiar story in the scripture. There, a Roman army officer named Cornelius had a vision where an angel appeared and came toward him. And the angel told him to send for Peter. And the angel told him where Peter would be, Acts chapter 10. Now, ordinarily, Peter, who was a Jew, would reject Gentiles as unclean. So if he was invited to go somewhere by a Gentile, he just would say no, because a Jew never enters the home of a Gentile. But at the very same time, Peter was also having a vision. And it was the vision of the sheet filled with the unclean animals. And God kept saying, take and eat. And Peter said, no, I would never do it. And God said, don't call unclean what I call clean. And Peter learned that God shows no favoritism. And he accepts people from every nation. So Peter shared the gospel And the Gentiles were saved. You know that impossible situation you're in? Do less worrying and more praying. Because as we see with Peter and Cornelius, God was working at both ends simultaneously. Have you ever considered that those recurring dreams you have, those visions that you think, oh gosh, it's just something I ate but they might really be messages that God does not want you to miss and he knows you're likely to reject them. To hear from God also, we should analyze signs and circumstances. Now, Webster gives a definition of a sign. It's a little bit confusing, but a sign is something material, something physical or external that stands for or signifies something spiritual. So we're asking that if something happens, that will mean something spiritual that God intends. An example in the scripture is the apostles asked God for a particular sign to determine who should take Judas Iscariot's place after Judas died. And they believed they would receive it. Remember what the sign was? You know. Yeah, casting lots throwing dice, basically. Acts chapter 1. Then they all prayed, O Lord, you, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone to where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other 11. 
There's an Old Testament um, similar practice. The priest used two stones. You remember the name of them? They were on the breastplate, on the shoulders. The Urim and the Thummim. And the priest would use those to understand, to discern God's will in a particular area. A sign could be a spiritual object lesson derived from art, like the potter in the clay in Jeremiah 18, or even from creation, like the wheat in the weeds, as Jesus was teaching. And it might be a mental image from our imagination. Another lady writes about what she heard from God. Kaylin wrote, when I was 15... I had been looking for a void-filling solution in all the wrong places. The scars from my parents' divorce created a void that stuck. No matter how hard I worked to be good, how earnestly I sought Jesus and wholeness, there was something keeping me at a disconnected space, place. But what happened in a transformation prayer session brought me to a place where I knew that I felt unloved alone and unwanted. And what God told me in that moment was that I was good and I was his. A visual accompanied the words. An innocent little girl chasing butterflies in a field, laughing and full of joy. God said, this is who you are. Let go of the rest. Instantly, there was a release of the weight I had been carrying. The results have been life-changing. All of the sudden, my shame was weak and fickle, and that visual he gave me overcomes it all. I am loved. I am made new. I am worthy to call him father. My defenses are no longer up, and my ability to address other wounds is not so overwhelming. I can look towards the grief and know God is there to pull me out of the pain. I now have found my place at Brookwood and Care Ministries as a lay counselor. And I have a desire to continue growing in my faith and my curiosity for others. Everyone has a story, and everyone's story is worthy of being heard. For it's our story that aligns us with the crucifixion and resurrection. Now, you've heard me say transformation prayer twice, and it's a wonderful way to help you hear from God. Well, where can that happen? Well, you can call the Be Encouraged house in Simpsonville. No, no fee, you can give something if you want or you can call the care ministry and we can connect you with someone who can help you through this process. Now, circumstances are a bit different. But circumstances are occurrences, events, or situations that will control a decision or outcome. And, and it too can be interpreted to reveal God's plan. Paul was disallowed to go to certain cities. Paul was imprisoned in Rome, and in prison in Rome, many people in the emperor's household came to faith. So those were circumstances that controlled where Paul did ministry. And so it does relate to examining open and closed doors to determine God's will about a decision. Do you believe God can speak through signs and circumstances? Do you? Yes. He is sovereign. He is sovereign over all. But you have to be careful 
Because sometimes you can project your own opinion too quickly and control what you want the outcome to be. So you must be careful. Many years ago, there was a woman in the church who wanted to be married. And she told me that she got a word from God. She was going to marry a dark-haired man. And I said, well, how did you get this? She said, well, I was driving down the road talking to God about wanting a husband. And a, a, a black crow flew in front of my car and landed on a fence post. And I thought, well, well, how do you know you're not going to marry someone who's flighty with skinny legs? <laughs> so you must be careful applying an interpretation. God speaks this way, but you need to pray. You need to consult the Scripture. You need to gather advice from godly people when you're, we are relying on a sign or circumstance. Care volunteers will be here. They'll be in the care connection room. There may be something that I've said that triggered a response in you. You want someone to talk with, someone to pray with you. We're still gathering um, questions, this uh, information for this message series. So if you have heard God speak, I want to know it. What did he say and what resulted from your response? And so you can send it in to brookwoodchurch.org slash hearing God. If you'd rather turn it in manually, you can get a card at the information desk. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, help us to hear you. Help us to understand when it's you that is speaking and what the message means. Lord, help us to be sure and help us to be to clearly know what you're calling us to, that we might respond immediately. Thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us and desiring to communicate with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Happy